blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see. When my Lord is living in me, I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. No more will I be all alone since he promised me that we never would part. Good morning. Um, so, welcome. Um, this is the start of a new quarter. Um, I'm the new teacher for this quarter, so please bear with me as, as I try to fill out this auditorium class um, and sort of gauge the level of length of this class and also just teaching a new crowd. So, to begin the class, Anybody know? James? Anybody else? The Holy Spirit? Okay, that's a good... <laughs> yeah, that's a safe answer. Anybody else? James, James? If we read James chapter 2, verse 18, but someone will say... You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So I would have taken someone as well as actually um, the answer for that too. Okay, so the topic of this quarter is going to be what is known as perimeter of faith. Um, this actually started from an idea from a brother of ours, um, a brother in Christ, Dan Hager. Um, for those that may be visiting, um, thinking there's not that many, but um, he's currently living in South Carolina. So he's no longer up here in Maryland, but his ideas are still here. Um, I also want to thank the leadership for allowing me to teach this class. Um, this is a great opportunity to have exposure and also for me to learn from you and also learn from God's word. Um, Dan mentioned this topic for a class to me um, on a Wednesday night, and I've sort of modified it um, and thus you know, come up with a title, Perimeter of Faith. The basis of this class is to point you to God and his word. If I do nothing else, it is to purposefully challenge you how you live your life as a Christian and to prayerfully draw you closer to our creator and his will for your life. The idea originally started as a concept of boundaries, but as we grow as Christians, these limits change. Take, for example, children. As babies, they can't drive themselves to McDonald's and order a burger. Okay? However, as they grow older, this limitation on them changes um, on what they can do and what they can eat 
and actually what is healthy for them. We, as Christians, should mature in the same manner. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not able, yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? Thus, the reason for this class. As a broad outline, and before I break this clicker, um, we're going to cover the following topics in a sequence, if we have time. The first one, which will start most likely next week, will be starting from the internal, our perimeter. Um, and so, it's a little weird for me to do this, but um, we're going to study topics such as where is your faith? Um, we're going to look at growing this faith, and then also using an example of God and what, is, what should our faith be. Next, we go exterior to us and we say the physical. We look at biblical boundaries such as borders, walls, those kinds of things in the Bible. Next, we look at interpersonal distinctions. So this is relational, how we should talk with each other, how we should interact with each other, whether it be an age difference or even you know, between husband and wife or things like that. And then finally, the spiritual, between us and God. And we're going to look basically upon when we encounter these barriers or walls within our spiritual walk. Um, just as a note, all of the slides, the scriptures will be from the New American Standard Version, so that there's some consistency there. Um, also, please ask questions, and this is to be interactive, too, okay? Um, I like to move around, so please definitely ask questions. So, just as an introduction, we're going to define... Um, some, a couple of terms, um, but I want to see what our prior knowledge is of these before we define them formally. So, how would you define perimeter as a term? Outside edge. An area of what? An area that you're confined to. Anybody else? A boundary, okay. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. So a, a separation between us, them, um, people, groups of people. Okay. Anything else? Okay. So I'm sort of a math person. Immediately, I thought of mathematics. I was like, okay, this is the perimeter, let's say, of a circle or a perimeter of a rectangle, um, those types of things. Um, did anybody else think of that? Sort of? Okay. I'm not alone. Um, so I looked up the definition, and it said, the continuous line forming the boundary of a closed geometric figure. Is that hard to read? 
Yes? No? Okay, so I'll try to work on that. Um, I can think of, instead of saying the boundary, I can think of the extent, okay? The extent of a geometrical figure. And you can think of it as like a basketball. You know, it has a perimeter around like half of it or different directions, okay? Because there, this is sort of a diverse audience, uh, there's also a militaristic definition, like walk the perimeter, those kinds of things. Um, you can think about like our campus safe within a defined position as well, um, within a perimeter. Um, scripture actually tells us um, some of these militaristic definitions. Um, if I could have somebody read uh, Judges chapter 7, verses 17 through 19. Okay, so in my translation, it said the circle of the camp. Yours said the, the edge of the camp. Okay, did anybody else have anything different? Okay, outposts? Okay, yeah. So also later in Judges, um, it says outskirts in the camp um, or of the camp. Um, another use for this term is actually also from Scripture um, in a geographic sense. So we think of a biblical side, like um, the western side, the eastern side. Um, this gives us a directional sense relative to where we are. This also tells us um, one of the bounds and locations like of a nation um, that may be in reference. Also in reference to like landmarks other than where you are. Um, are there any other cases that we may think about perimeter, this term, um, or meanings, um, where this idea of separation that can be measured? There's an idea, especially in the militaristic uh, understanding, that what's with, what lies within the perimeter is safe, or secure, or So it's okay. Yeah, and we'll get to that actually. Steve. Yeah. So you have the law. So what is within the law? What is exterior to the law? What is safe? What is not safe? Philip. Okay, I'm going to come back to you so I can hear you. Okay, so a physical barrier there, yeah, to keep things safe inside or keep things out that isn't. Any others? 
Uh, yes. So like the holy and most of holiest place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we look at the origin of this word, um, the first thing that I found was that it came from the Latin word, and please forgive me for pronouncing this probably wrong, perimetros which means the line around a figure or a surface. Um, and then in the Greek, um, perimetron, um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong because um, I am not a Greek scholar, um, with the roots peri for around, and then um, metron, which is, means to measure. Um, but trying to combine all of these different connotations um, or, you know, combinations of different meanings of this word um, into a single definition is not easy. But for this course, this class, um, I came up with the following definition. The circumventing line bounding or protecting an area of, of per, or person, so think physical or non-physical, um, and then also as far as with people within arm's reach, or beyond, um, and then or uh, protecting or creating a logical distinction of concept, right versus wrong. Okay, it's not the you know all-encompassing definition, but I'm going to go with this moving forward. Okay, let's look at some examples to get some more insight. Um, into exactly what this means, this term perimeter. So first, we can visualize the physical. So think this church building, the, these walls around us, that forms a perimeter, okay? It has four walls. Granted, there's more walls in this church building, but on the basis, there's four exterior walls. Um, and thus, we can literally measure the perimeter of this building. I can go take a tape measure and go measure the actual perimeter of this building. Um, probably want something bigger than a tape measure, but... Now, please note that I use church building as an example. Unlike this building, these walls should not contain the church or the extent of the church. Um, we should not be defi defined by these four walls. If we consider societal circles, so um, for an example, the family circle, okay? Um, I have a family comprising of individuals that are related to me genetically, okay? I also have a lovely wife who is now part of my family and that even though there is not a genetic connection there, I still call her family, okay? We understand that. But my family may be different from Kevin's, okay? His family circle may be comprised of other individuals. There may be overlap. Sometimes there's a lot of overlap and we're related. Um, and then hopefully, you know, 
it's not completely overlapped, you know, sometimes. <laughs> uh, but on the contrast, the church family um, is my family through the blood of Christ, okay? Um, actually, let me go back one. So, we're related through that. Um, it's not a physical measuring. Um, but to the secular world, this is weird. Um, because I may call Sister Mary Thomas my sister. I may call Philip my brother. I may call Diane Three my sister. And the secular world is like, what? <laughs> if you line us up together, they will see no genetic well, other than maybe some intellectual, intellectual life form, but it's, it's weird to them, okay? It's even more confusing when we take this and relate the relationship we have with our Father in heaven. We all have the same Father in heaven. They can't make that distinction. So this isn't normal for them. Um, Another one would be um, sort of from an economic standpoint, um, access. So we have limitations to access such as like a paywall for websites. We have to have a subscription to a magazine in order to receive it. You could be grouped into this clustering of subscribers. Um, and it, there's these certain things or steps you have to go through to actually be called a subscriber. Another one, which is very, very overgeneralized, is a mental thinking of people who are smart or those that are educated. Um, another one could be having a mental block, like possibly right now of, you know, me having a mental block of the rest of my lesson or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> Is there's this sort of internal thing that we can't get past, okay? Um, or possibly of words that I'm probably forgetting from this lesson too. Um, is there any other examples that people like you may think of um, from these distinctions of a perimeter? Like maybe you've encountered one, things like that. I mean. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, he, he could even have me. His perimeter was much larger. Yeah. Uh, from that standpoint, from his understanding of scripture, etc., than perhaps the, the baby Christ, whose perimeters should be much smaller. We should actually encourage uh, a smaller perimeter. Don't we do that with our children? Mm -hmm. Right, and so when thinking about this, you know, whole class, um, I'll, I'll come back to you. I thought of different types of barriers in that regard, of whether they be spatial, temporal, things like that. 
And so we will talk about those, um, but from a dietary standpoint, that's a, that's a good one too. So you're saying like a self-imposed perimeter um, on your talent um, or your willingness to do things. Yes, um, definitely, very much so. Anybody else? We're going to definitely look at people of the Bible as far as examples of these perimeters um, and also the physical structures, but that's, y'all are good students, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, anybody else as far as, before I move on? I definitely deal with the perimeter between life and death. And oh, that's a good So thinking between life and death, but also you can think of between physical and spiritual too. That's, yeah. Okay, um, there's many examples um, in our life and culture. Take for example, the popular Disney movie, um, The Lion King. Um, oh yes, it showed up, okay. Um, and this is where King Mufasa said to uh, Simba, you know, the kingdom is by existence of the touching of light. Okay, um, we can think about that in a biblical sort of, um, what's the word, um, imagery of where the light touches is the kingdom of God. But that's alluding to other things coming up, and I'm very excited to, to do that, but um, not for today. Um, definitely a future discussion. So let's, let's go back to remembering our definition of this term um, so that we can use it properly going forward. Um, the circumventing line bounding or protecting an area or person or creating a logical distinction of concept. So the n uh, next term I wanted to discuss, and it, it's no shock to you, is faith. So if the class is entitled Perimeter of Faith, we talked about perimeter, let's talk about faith, okay? So, as Christians, we should probably not need to define this term, but I'll still ask it. What, how would you define this term? Anyway. Hebrews 1. Hmm? Hebrews 1. Okay. You mean Hebrews 11, verse 1, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we should immediately go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, okay? Um, if you're thinking of other thing, scriptures, let me know um, as far as what faith is. Um, the Bible clearly states it um, for us. Um, but what does this mean? What does this term faith mean? What does this definition mean? Um, 
I'm going to challenge you. How would you describe this? Um, describe faith to an unbeliever or to somebody who is not familiar with this concept of faith? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll come back to you, Ben. The mustard seed example? Mm hmm. Okay. Okay, so using the example of the mustard seed with the coating that in order for it to grow, it has to overcome this trial. Okay, um, is that right? Yeah, okay. Uh, ben was first, and I'll come back. Ben. So, yeah, we're actually, that's the example you know, on my next slide. <laughs> so, you're looking ahead. Uh, uh, you, and then, and then. Believing without having to see. So, we we believe because we we can't see or okay without seeing okay gotcha in spite yes good So you're actually testing God to, yeah. Okay, so she had her hand raised before everybody else over there. An unwavering commitment to God and His church. Okay, that's a good definition. Uh, I saw there's, sorry. Yeah. Complete trust in something you cannot self verify or control. Right. So, complete trust that we can't verify or, what was the last part? Or draw. We can't self verify or control it. Or control it. Yeah, that's a good one too. So the basis of this concept is that God is good, and because he is good, we have faith. Oh, we're willing to trust. Okay.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there will be consequences if you don't as well. So there, you have to have faith that your parents will pick you up from school. And if not, your kid will be probably mad <laughs> at you. Yeah, I heard we're here. Yeah, fair. Yeah, we were talking about verifying, but the, the passage we've had on the, on the screen at the very beginning, um, yep. James says, and then also Malachi makes it very clear, but typically God says, test him. He wants us to obey him and to step out on faith and know that he is there. Do what I told you and see if it doesn't work out for you. God wants us to verify trust and to step out. Right. And you're, I, I mentioned you 11 1 and you have it there, but for me, 11 6 is. The whole chapter is going to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. 11.6. It's impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. So for me, that's a, that's a definition I can get my head around a little easier. Okay. But yes, he wants us to verify our faith. He wants us to step out, trust him, believe him, obey him, do what he says. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've seen many hands. So I saw yours first. The value of what? Oh, pi. 3.14159. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm mathematical. Most of them don't know how to derive 3.14159, et cetera. Or they have to take on faith the fact that it doesn't repeat. That's something we've always taken on faith. Because we don't know for a fact that that's not true. Right, because... whether we know it or not as well. Okay, I saw their hands before I'm Calvin. So how is going to explain this to unbelievers? You know, I like to use the analogy of airplane. And you hope that Bernoulli's effect actually works. You hope that Bernoulli's effect uh, law works. Yeah. So I would actually make the point that faith shouldn't be something that we just can't explain as well um, from that regard. But I agree, yeah. When we, I always try to pray before I fly because, you know, God has, is in control, but he also makes sure the plane flies. Lynn. So you're trusting that the road will continue, trusting that you will be safe, trusting the car will work if you do encounter something else. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. Any, yes, I'll come back to you. 
so just the term faith as a general context. Um, I think blind faith we will discuss um, in another section of this class. Um, so Kevin and then Okay, so there's a... So I'm trusting right now, like to use a different analogy in this, this room, I'm trusting that this microphone works. I'm trusting that the projector doesn't go crazy. Um, I'm trusting that the lights are still on. I mean, granted, if the lights go off, you know, we'll still have class. But um, I'm still trusting that those pre-occurring things and also sort of habitual things that we assume would work will. Yep. Anybody else on that? Yes. So can you repeat that just a little louder for everybody? Okay. Okay. Did everybody get that? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So, for simplicity, um, as I was making this out, I was like, okay, I'm almost a millennial, so I Googled it um, to see what maybe a common English definition would be. Um, it says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, as Christians, we need to be careful with this definition because. We don't need to have complete trust or confidence in a object as a physical object, okay? We have trust in God, but we don't have trust in, like, this chair, okay? Um, we start going down the wrong way, the wrong path once we do that. So how can we have um, complete and without any lack, trust in someone or something. So what does this look like? What does faith look like? Commitment. Commitment? Okay. That's a very good answer in short as well. Okay. Anybody else? Awesome. Um, as a contrast, what isn't considered faith? <coughs> Doubt, okay. Dishonesty, okay. So, blunt. Right. You're like, oh, I hope it snows. I mean, actually, I do, but <laughs> I like the snow. So, we had ice growing up. So, yeah. Yes. So, faith driven by fear and fear alone. Okay, but we have fear in God, so we'll cover some of that too. But I think this is fear of maybe disappointment, fear of uh, failure, those kinds of things. Um, fear of um, worth, you know, am I worthy enough? 
those kinds of things. Yes. So a Debbie Downer. For those that are named Debbie, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make that term. Um, yeah, so very, being very non-trustworthy, being very pessimistic, um, always thinking the worst is going to happen, although, you know, statistically it wouldn't be, but Calvin. So running from faith, that's an interesting concept. And I'm going to have to think on that for probably our future classes. Uh, Steve. Well, sticking with something, um, in fact, the, the big mindset, and when things are contrary to the word of God, mm -hmm. and yet you um, stand by it no matter what because you reset it or someone else got it, you, you try mm. So So if I said you have to have faith and that was it, then if you go and tell somebody, Brent said this, that's not great because we have to draw it back to where this faith comes from and also why we're, we have this, this faith. Right, so a conditional faith. So not all-encompassing faith, whether it be in good times or bad times, um, whether it be good for us or not, um, whether it may seem that somebody else has a stronger faith than us. Um, yeah, now I'll come back to you. Okay. Little 
that's a good, good concept. Can we take a cup of faith? Like, can we say, I have a cup of faith in my hand? No. Um, faith is very much an unseen, quantifiable, not necessarily quantifiable thing. Okay? Um, I saw somebody else's hand. Oh, in the very back. Lack of passion, okay. So you're a Christian-ish kind of thing, or you don't have the actions to actually, or the works to um, ground yourself in that faith, um, and also show, you know, not necessarily for others, but for yourself, that God is in control. Yeah, I saw a hand over here. Okay, I'll, was that all? Yeah. Before we leave the subject, I want to be careful because a lot of times, Christians, we make it sound like we're able to accomplish things by faith, mm-hmm. and we're not. God moves, and we have faith in God, and the smallest amount of faith is able to do so much great things because it's placed in God, where the great amount of faith is placed somewhere else is going to fail sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Same with our prayers, same with a lot of things. We pray that it is God who acts. Yeah. We have Going back to the mustard seed example, with a mustard seed of faith, we can do what, church? We can move mountains. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So we don't stand up to the trials. Um, we waver, um, but God doesn't. So that's something also comforting for us. In, just seeing this part. Yes. Because we pray in faith that, you know, his will be done. So it's, it's circumstantial. Faith. We need to have faith consistently. Yeah. True faith is consistent. Yeah. It's, it's all the time. I have faith in the good times that I have good times. Thank you, God, for that. Mm-hmm. And in the bad times. Yeah. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. Okay. So due to time, um, great, 
great input, y'all. Thank you. Um, so literally, um, if we wanted to talk about examples, um, we could spend a whole year probably talking about the examples of faith found in the Bible, okay? Um, but just for today, I want us to read through Hebrews chapter 11, okay? So if you want to turn there um, and read along with me, um, and then I'll just highlight some people from there. Uh, starting with verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful, who promised. Therefore, there was born even one, even of one man, and him as good as dead as that, at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sands which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on, on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they have, had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he who dis whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, 
when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover in the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? Yep. Okay. So let me just read the very ending. In all these things, in all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Thank you.